Amen. Good evening, Calvary, or good morning, Calvary, however you want to view that if you're watching online. We are so glad you're here. What a great crowd. Um, we are so glad you're here. It's Party at the Park weekend. Woohoo! Party at the Park is an annual tradition, and as we gear up for Party at the Park, I wanted to bring a message that was kind of in line with where we're headed and also try to challenge us. If that's okay, we can be challenged before we go to Party at the Park to put on the right attitude and have the right look and the right presence and the right posture when it comes to us serving our community. This has been going on for over a decade. I know that because I've been here for a decade and it's existed well before I got here. It, it was sometimes referred to as the barbecue, but we changed that name because, well, we don't serve barbecue. Um, but it, it, who... who Anybody been around here since the beginning? Just raise your hands. Who, where are my beginning people? Yeah. Like three of you. So good job. Let's go. Woo! Okay. As we engage our community, the sermon I want to talk to you about tonight goes back to the time when I was a little kid. I remember this story. It's the story of the five loaves and the two fish. And I love this story. Why? Because there was a big party. Or was it a party? We're going to get to that in a minute. But there was a mass crowd, thousands of people, 5,000 men plus their families showed up. If we had 5,000 plus their families show up tomorrow, we would be in trouble, okay? We're expecting a little bit less than probably the 10 to 15,000 people. But if we do, we're going to need to practice the five loaves and two fish, okay? So as we're looking at this, I want to read the story in John, uh, Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13. And when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by a boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd had, and had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And when evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. Um, but we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Well, bring them here to me, he said. And then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and everyone ate and was satisfied and they picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now, those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, when I hear this story, here's the inevitable uh, illustration that comes out. Here's the inevitable application. And there is truth to this application, but there's much more. The idea of we are the boy who has the five loaves and the two fish, and God's going to do something amazing with us and through us. And I remember hearing the story uh, when I was a little boy and hearing a pastor describe, can you imagine going home and telling mom that lunch you gave just fed 15,000 people, right? What a cool idea. And so as we go tomorrow, we want to see how God can use us. But is that the point? Let's look at this passage a little closer. And I think it's important for us to understand how it sets up. It sets up in verse 13 when it says, When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there 
by boat to a remote place. When he, Jesus heard about it, what does it stand for? Well, if you look back to the previous section right there, it describes the fact that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. When Jesus heard that his friend had just been beheaded, he wasn't planning for a party at the park. And in that moment, he was not okay. And you do realize it's okay to not be okay. It really is. If Jesus had to withdraw, you might need to withdraw too. Even the most extroverted extroverts in the room might need to withdraw when you're not okay. Yet a strange thing happened. When, when he withdrew, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. In the, that moment, he began to have empathy, and he didn't let his circumstances cause him to miss the needs of others. Now, let me just describe this to you. Some of you have a lot going on in your life right now. You're teachers, and it's the first week of school, and you're sitting there thinking, how rude of this church to plan this on the week that I have school, right? Teachers, we love you, by the way, and are praying for you. Thanks for investing in our kids. Amen. Sorry. It just happens to be the start of the school year. That's why. It, it is a coincidence. It's by design, okay? Now, as we're doing this, you may have extenuating circumstances that makes it hard. You're sitting there going, how am I supposed to go to a party at the park? How am I supposed to love my community? How am I? This stuff is going on in my life, and I'm so distracted, so I'm just going to check out. But in this moment, Jesus models a very important truth for us. It is okay to not be okay, but this does not give us a license to ignore the needs of others. When the circumstances of our life are difficult, it does not give us the license, the excuse to not care and love for other people. So how did he do that? Well, he looked out and he saw the sick and he healed them. Very simple. An illustration, an application, a daily training from the past that we've used multiple times a very simple application. If you do this tomorrow at Party at the Park, if you handle yourself in this way on Tuesday at your work, if you're at the grocery store on Thursday and this happens to come to your mind, if you stub your toe out in the parking lot on Saturday and you think of this, here's a good thing to think about. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. When there is a problem in this world, we as Christians aren't called to solve it, but if we can help alleviate the problem, then that is our calling. Why? Because that's the loving thing to do. And what the enemy wants to convince us is that your life is so difficult right now, you don't need to worry about other people. No one else has all the circumstances like you have. Your life is such a struggle, and you need to... Jesus withdrew Yet he saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. You want to know how to, to, to gain the respect of the world around you? Even in your difficult circumstances, you keep loving. It doesn't mean you have to put on a fake smile. It doesn't mean you have to act like, you know, I've got a smile while tears are coming down your face. I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus was doing there, but he still met a need. And in the brokenness in that moment, he was still fully human, but brought in and connected them with the fact that he was fully God. See a need. 
immediately. And that's a simple application. But what happens when the need is bigger than we can meet? Because the story continues, right? And he, he looks out and, and the, they said, the disciples come to him and say, uh, Jesus, it's getting late. You uh, went too long again on the sermon. Jesus, it's too late. What's going on? And, and McDonald's is closing soon. Y'all do know there was no McDonald's back then. In case there are kids in the room, there was, McDonald's did not exist. But they're going to get hungry, and nobody wants a hangry follower of Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus looks at him, and what does he say to them? He says, you give them something to eat. Now, here's where I like this illustration. Because tomorrow we're going to party at the park, and we are planning on and have the expectation that we will be showing up with more than five loaves of bread, which are just like little rolls, and two fish, which are like dried sardines. Yummy, right? We're, we're going to have a lot of food. Hamburgers, hot dogs, nachos, uh, something about elephant ears? I don't know. The line for the elephant ears, y'all, is legit, all right? And let me just say, see a need, meet a need. If you want to get elephant ear, get there early. Otherwise, let the other people have it because that's going to be your time, okay? We love the elephant ears. And, and so this route, we're going to have a lot of food. But what if the needs that we are trying to meet tomorrow are bigger than the food? What if in the course of the line, as you're waiting to, for 45 minutes to get that delicious elephant ear, you start up a conversation with the person in front of you and you realize they don't go to church. And they're like, man, I can't believe somebody would do this. And you're like, yeah. Let me tell you about why we do it. And in the course of the conversation, you start having them open up to you and you're sitting there going, they're opening up in a way that is so much more than I can handle right now. Let me find Daniel. Let me find Daniel. Let me find Daniel. Let me. No, what if in that moment you allowed the Holy Spirit to work through you. Why would he do that? You give them something to eat. Guys, I am the lead pastor of this church. Ooh. We're all ministers. If you have God, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're a minister. So what do we do from there? Let's pick up the story. When Jesus told them, you give, I could just, he I could just hear Thomas, especially, you know, Thomas, the doubting Thomas. Ah! Okay, so as you go, like John 6, 5 through 8 says the following. This is another version of the story. So when Jesus looked up, he noticed a huge crowd coming toward them. He asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test them, for he knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii, or a half a year's wage, worth of bread, wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. Half a year's wage wouldn't be enough for them to have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And in that moment, Jesus shows up, and he does something so much bigger than they can imagine. Now, here's the thing. If we knew Jesus was going to do something like that tomorrow, we would be here for it. You know what I'm saying? 
This is living our best life. This is the reality. This is Instagram worthy. This is like we are going to, I want to show up and see Jesus do that. And the reality is that's a great desire. But you do realize that in every crowd of people who gather to pursue Jesus, there's always three types of people there. Which one are you? The first type. There's a, those are the takers. And we at first glance don't like the takers, except we, we realize that most people come to Christ by first taking. You know how I know this? We call them, wait for it, baby Christians. I don't mean that to insult anybody here, but baby Christians is a description that is used and found throughout the Bible. Baby Christians means you are not capable to feed yourselves, so we literally meet their needs. Kids, if you're in this room, when you were first born, you could not feed yourself. Some of you are like, I can feed myself now, but my parents won't let me because all you want to eat is pizza, okay? The reality is, as you grow up, you learn to sustain yourself. So when people first come, it's okay for them to be takers. And we are not to judge the takers. We're to show them Jesus, and we are to meet their needs, but then we are to progress them along the path. Now, here's the problem. If you are 10 years as a follower of Jesus, and you still don't know how to sustain yourself, that's a problem. If 10 years down the road, you're showing up at Party at the Park, and all you are is a taker, that's a problem. See, remember I told you a few weeks ago, I'm used to this interaction now. There's a little more interaction. If you're walking through your life and you're sitting there going, okay, God, I... We're going to come back to that, why that's a struggle. The second group of people are those that just show up. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I showed up, and I'm not taking... And, and so the way this works is, I'm going to sacrifice an elephant ear because I'm holy so that other people can have the elephant ears. I'm not a taker. Okay, but I need you to actually, well, no, I'm, that's for them to do, right? There are the people who show up, and they're the ones who are ready to sit there and go, look what God is doing through Calvary. What did you do? I said, look what God's doing through Calvary. I showed up on Saturday night to church. I logged in on Sunday morning. I am so holy. While you're drinking your Starbucks that you left the house to go to, to get. But you wouldn't have gone to church. If, oh, anyway, that's not a story. I preach. <laughs> and in this world, there's a time when we no longer need to be the people who just show up. Because as we grow in our faith, we need to be those who live out a kingdom purpose. You know why we struggle living out a kingdom purpose? It's because no one has ever taught us or we've never discerned or we've never spent the time to take the time to understand how God has gifted me to serve out his kingdom. And sometimes in sermons, we haven't done a good job with this because what we've actually done is we've said, here's how you evangelize. You go knock on a door and you hand someone a track and the introverts in the room all went, uh-uh. Right? Or, or we said, you've got to go out and you've got to be the person who is like engaging people in conversations. And you're like, nope. 
And some of you, it's like, I need you to go and do the trash and not talk to people and just walk around. And you're like, that's not my giftedness. You see, here's the beautiful part of the kingdom of God. As we discussed even back in the Ebenezer series, there is a general purpose for the church, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there's a specific calling that you and I are called to and you and I are gifted to. And when you understand the way that you're wired, as Paul describes it, some are called to plant, some are called to harvest, and some are called to do all the rest of it. My farmer lingo is leaving me right now. In the course of gathering in some of you tomorrow, God has gifted you to be able to talk to a brick wall and be engaged in that conversation. Sign up to engage in the conversations. Be bold. That doesn't excuse the most introvert, introvert people for, oh good, I don't have to talk. Talk, smile, look for the, con but maybe God's just calling you to talk to one person where the extrovert, extroverts in here, God is going to call you to reach 10. And some of you are like, I don't need any credit. And you need to go around and help poor Carl pick up the trash. That's what you're going to be called to do. Go pick up the trash and take it out. And you can have fun doing it and make a game of it. And like race Carl to see how much trash you can throw out, right? Carl would love that. Carl is a real person. He's in the band. He's doing the trash. Carl doesn't care that I'm talking about him, I promise you. I know Carl. But the reality is you and I have a different skill set. But it takes us all to serve the kingdom. And don't let anyone minimalize your gift set for how it can impact the kingdom. Your five loaves and two fish are worth much more than that. What are your five loaves and two fish? Here's the problem, too. If we're really transparent with each other, sometimes we sit there and go, I really want to give my five loaves and two fish because I want to feel good about myself. Right? Can I, can I just be really transparent with you guys through the years? I've seen God move in some amazing ways. In ways that are sometimes hard to talk about as a pastor because I don't ever want to come across as like, look at me, right? But I have sensed the power of the Holy Spirit in both tragedy and great celebration. I I've sensed the power and the peace of God in hospital rooms, in dire situations, on the side of the road, in a tragic accident. I've sensed the power of God sometimes when I preach. I've sensed the power of God in my life. But here's the key. I don't always do that. I don't always sense the power of God. And I'm sometimes wondering, is it because God doesn't want to move? Or is it because I'm not expecting him to? Go back to John. Well, where would we buy these bread so that people can eat? Verse 6, he asked this 
to test him, for he himself knew what he's going to do. Now, I don't know how God wants you to serve this week as a mom or a dad, as a banker or a farmer or a teacher. Come on, teachers, you got this. 177 days left. as a student or as a pastor. But I can pretty much guarantee you there's going to be a time where the circumstances are bigger than what you can handle. And I can pretty much guarantee you that in those moments, you can do one of two things. You can look to yourself to try to fix the problem or you can look to God. And in the course of looking to God, as you're walking and navigating the situation at party at the park, when the electricity cuts out because the generator stops, that never happens. Or at party at the park, when it looks like it's going to rain, don't worry, it always breaks up and goes around. It's weird. God's awesome. Or, or when that person breaks down in tears in front of you, and you're like, emotions, I don't handle emotions. I was supposed to do the trash. <laughs> in that moment, look to God and watch him move. They had 12 baskets left over. What would it look like if we had 12 baskets left over tomorrow? I hope we don't have that much food left over, y'all. That, that would be bad. That's not the goal. But what would 12 baskets left over look like? What happened what happen next week if we had an extra 500 people show up to church? The worship team's having a heart attack right now. What ha would happen if we said, we've got to add another service? What would happen if someone took your seat? You see, we want God to move, but we don't want him to move in the circumstances that allow him to inconvenience us. God, move mightily. We want to we make a difference. For, but the real tell about whether or not you want the power of God to move in and through you is when you're willing to pay the price of the movement of God. Let me say that again. The real tell, kids, make sure your parents are here. The real tell of whether or not you want God to move is whether or not you're willing to pay the price of the sacrifice it takes for him to move. Case in point, true story. Always be alarmed when the pastor says true story. The day after my grandfather's funeral, we showed up at church. Little Bullard, Texas. I don't think anybody from Bullard, Texas is tuning in, so I think this is a safe story. But one day, we were, we were sitting there, and my, my grandfather had been buried the day before, and we were sitting down, and a man tapped us on our shoulder. He said, guys, I'm so, so sorry for the loss of your grandfather. He was such a good man. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is awesome. And he goes, but I need you to move. You're in my seat. Now, before we judge, Mr. Judgy, right? What's your seat? Your service time? I don't want to go at 9 o'clock. You got to get up early. I got to get up early the rest of the time. I don't want to scoot in. The aisle is more comfortable. I don't want to work in the park. I'll work in the parking lot in the fall and spring. Jeff, good luck the rest of the time. I, I don't want to work in the nursery. Do you know they carry germs? And honestly, if that's your mentality, don't, don't work in the nursery. 
But the reality is some of you are gifted to be in the parking lot. Some of you are gifted to be in the nursery. And the only thing that's stopping you is you. And the belief that God can do something amazing when you rock a baby in the nursery and pray for that baby. You could be rocking the next Billy Graham, Rick Warren, Esther. Esther's in the Old Testament, I know, but go with me on it. Hey, you could be waving at the person in the parking lot. Do you know people have come to this church because we have had people waving? They're like, something's going on there. And do you know that I, I still disciple one of those, those men? I still do. I won't tell you who he is, but I still disciple him. And he came to our church because we put cones in the parking lot and there were people waving. And he told his wife, I don't know what's going on, but those people are friendly. And they showed up to church. Parking lot team, thank you. Don't tell me your five loaves and two fish is going to amount to nothing because you don't know. So what do we do? We are to live a kingdom purpose by keeping our eyes focused. Eyes focused on God. God, your will, your way. God's focused on our purpose. What are you gifted at? How are you going to use that? If you're bad at the grill, don't work it. If you're good at the grill, work it. Eyes focused on helping others. And eyes focused on the movement of God. I want to close with this idea in this perspective. God might want to do something amazing. I believe he does. I think it's important for us to realize the mighty movement of God is most often Inhibited, not by those who don't follow him, but by those who claim they do, but don't live out in the power of who he is. So Lord, make, make that my prayer. I'm not always perfect at it. I struggle too. But God. And yeah, there's been years of party at the park. It's been really hot. Redheads burn. I didn't like it. There's been times when I stand up and I hate to admit there's been Sundays when I haven't even really felt like preaching, but I had to preach. That may scare you. There are times when I feel the power of God and boy, it just makes me want to run through a brick wall for the glory of his name. Although I wouldn't suggest that. But I believe better days can be ahead. I believe this country can have better days ahead. I believe your family can have better days ahead. I believe your work can have better days ahead. I believe your relationships can have better days ahead. And even when the trials come, you'll have peace and you'll have joy because you'll have the fruits of the Spirit. I believe God is still in the miracle business. I believe God still wants to do something through you and me. Five loaves, two fish. Not so that I can get a pat on the back. But 
so that a mighty movement of God may be. I love you. Let's expect great things. Would you join me in praying in your head right now as I pray out loud for God to move in the lives of people tomorrow? Father, right now we pray for our sister churches, Casa de Luz and Second Baptist, who are joining us in this effort. God, would you be with them and their people as they prepare? God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, and some of us are going through difficult moments and difficult trials right now. Would you prepare us, God? In our brokenness, it's okay to not be okay, but God, I pray that you'd help us to still keep our eyes up towards you and to see the needs of others and to, to still find a way to love. Oh, God, I pray that you would send a mighty revival to this country. Help my unbelief. Would your mighty movement fall down? Would you allow holy, gospel-centered, where did that come from, God is good conversations to take place in such abundance tomorrow that it amazes us how you can use us for your redemption. And God, when we confuse that and make it about us, may we repent and get back up and seek your presence, your peace. Father, we thank you for the power of the cross and the sacrifice of that miracle. We do not want to take it for granted. Would you move? Would you move? Holy Spirit, move in our city, in our lives, in this room. Holy Spirit, move. We believe in you. In your holy and righteous name we pray.